there. Welcome to Unstoppable Rise, a resource that helps motivated individuals take advantage of the vast opportunities available in modern life while simultaneously avoiding its many pitfalls using a combination of old school wisdom and new breed tactics. I'm your host, Sim, and today we're going to be talking about one of these resources that you can use to take advantage of life, and that resource is money. So let's not delay any longer, and let's jump right in. So, as I said, this resource we're going to be talking about today is money. And money is one of the three resources that I mentioned in another audio blog that you use to make a life of your choosing and sculpt a life that you're proud of at the end of the day. The other resources are time and energy, and I mentioned time in the last audio blog and energy will be mentioned in the following. But today, we're only going to focus on money because it is very, very important, as you may have realized. So money has always been something I've found myself drawn to, even when I was a little kid, uh, mainly because I realized the importance it had, and I was wondering why people were stressing out about this, and why people said, they wanted more, why people said they didn't have enough, or why it was just the main method of exchange in our world. And as a kid, you don't know much growing up, but then you start to realize that, oh, you know, this money stuff, it's pretty important, and I better better learn more and more about it. So I found myself very interested in it, and then I just had a natural attraction to seeing how it worked because... I realized it was an important resource and I found out at the end of the day money equals freedom to a big extent, not totally, but to a significant degree. So I want to figure out how I can maximize my earnings and my share of the pie and I did that through various means. But I remember when I was in high school my cousin and I, every day we would come home uh, in junior and part of senior year, but mainly in junior year, um, we would play Monopoly. So Monopoly was our game of choice, and I really like Monopoly because it can be very fast-paced and it, it can be somewhat strategic, but at the same time, you know, it mimics life to a certain degree. You know, there's a good amount of luck in terms of Monopoly, um, because you have to roll the die and you have to hopefully hope you land on a good space and hope that you're able to just accumulate enough assets and resources. And, you know, a good amount of life does depend on luck, but it also does depend on preparation. But Monopoly, at the end of the day, I saw it as a good metaphor for life because the metaphor of, was it two red houses and one hotel? So just acquiring assets and using them to make money for you instead of having your money go out and not do anything for you. So I used Monopoly as a jumping off point into personal finance in general. And I realized that knowing how to manage money would be a very important skill uh, as an emerging adult and knowing how to maximize its use. So I made sure to dive headlong into that. And I did that through a variety of means. And in this audio blog, I'm not going to be giving any specific 
investment advice because that's not my place to. I'm not a financial advisor, but I am going to be talking about the behavioral side of money and how money can work for us, how money can be a neutral thing for us, or it can even work against us. And that's really what I'm concerned about. So that's what the point of discussion is going to be in terms of just maximizing its use in general. So there is a whole field of finance called behavioral economics, which is centered around human behavior when it comes to money. And human beings, if you haven't noticed already, we're already very irrational creatures. And most of us are not anywhere near good with money. We spend it all like we're in Congress. We save very little to none of it. And if we save it all, we save at levels far below where we should. And we act for short-term advantage rather than long-term advantage. And we do all kinds of other crazy stuff with money. And this is mainly because we are essentially hunter-gatherers living in a modern world. Our brains are not oriented for long-term thinking. We are very oriented for short-term thinking because in the back of our mind, at our uh, primal, most primal essence, we feel as if we're not going to live very long. So we need to get as much as we can now and use it all now. And that's why we spend money uh, like crazy. A lot of us do, at least. So... The behavioral side of money is something you're going to have to think about if you want to win this game. And I think at a certain level of consciousness, money is a game. It's another tool. It's another micro game within the larger game of life. Because my whole mental model in terms of life is I do think of it as a game. That's my approach to life. And I do think of money and financial freedom and wealth accumulation as another game. And a certain level of conscience, like I just said, money is a game. Money is just another tool. And for most people, for a lot of people in the world, unfortunately, and, you know, inadvertently for them, money is a survival mechanism. They are only focused on how much money do we need to eat today, and we don't care about tomorrow we just need to make sure we eat today and this week and that's when you're at a certain level of poverty but you know for a lot of people in first world countries who are middle class upper middle class whatever you know you have to start thinking beyond that because you're not going to get very far if you're only thinking about how much money you're going to spend at Nordstrom's or Saks Fifth Avenue or whatever at the end of this week So you need to have a long-term orientation towards money. And that's what you see at the higher ends of consciousness. How am I going, how's my money going to affect me 10 years from now, 15 years from now? And that is long-term investing. So my easiest analogy to think about money in terms of it coming in and out of your life is a bathtub. And I got this example from a book called I Am Net Worthy. And it's a great book on personal finance. I'll leave a link in the notes to this blog at the end. And you can go and check it out. It's a great book, especially if you're new to this whole thing. But 
I think the bathtub analogy is very appropriate because water comes into a bathtub and water can go out of a bathtub, obviously through the drain. And, you know, your water is your income. So how much income are you getting per, per week, per month, per year? And that's coming into your bathtub, which is your overall financial life. And your bathtub is just a container for all this money that is that is there. And your bathtub can uh, be stopped. So you can put the drain up and the water starts to collect while the income is coming in. That's saving and investing. Or you can just let the drain just drain all the water down. And that's spending all you have and some more and being in debt. So the goal of the game of financial independence is to make sure your water line is at a level you are comfortable with. And people say, oh, I want to be financially independent. I want to be wealthy. I want to be this, that, and the other. But you haven't really set any metrics on how high that should be. For some people, retiring with Seven seven hundred fifty grand is good enough. Retire with a million, two million, five million, whatever you know. You have to set a number, and that number is going to be your waterline. And a lot of people don't think about this. A lot of people just think that, oh, I'm just I'm just gonna let I'm just gonna set and forget it, and I'm not gonna put any number towards what I want my end game to look like. And that is another disastrous point because. If you don't have any numbers, if you don't measure it, if you don't put any metrics, it's not going to get measured. So it needs to have, you, you need to have a number. So this financial number is what you can do when you stop the income from coming in. So you stop the water at the certain level. You're like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to walk away from the bathtub or I'm going to take a nice bath or whatever. And this level is... How much are you worth when you shut off your income, when you stop working for the most part? I don't think that most people are ever going to stop completely working because I don't think people are made to stop completely working. But let's just use this as an example. You want to be able to measure your financial life by how well you're able to do without any income source coming in. And a lot of people, for a lot of people, this is very eye-opening because they just measure their financial life by how much income they're getting in. Like, oh, if I'm making 80 grand, 100 grand, 120 grand a year, I must be doing really well. And, you know, income is one measure of how well you're doing financially. But if you're spending 125,000 a year and you make 120,000 a year, you're not doing well because you're spending more than you make. That The math just doesn't add up. And the real question you should ask yourself is, how long can I go without working? How long? And, you know, for some people, this is only a paycheck or two. Literally living paycheck to paycheck. And for people who have been working for 20, 30 years... You know, that, that that makes no sense, especially for boomers, as I mentioned probably a little while ago, 
we are approaching a point where a lot of boomers feel that they're never going to be able to retire because they don't have any savings or they don't have sufficient savings. And this is being alive and working in one of the largest, longest economic points of growth in in history, like the longest bull market in history. And a bull market is basically when the economy is just roaring, things are just increasing like crazy. And a lot of these boomers, you know, just spent like crazy and they don't have anything saved up because again, we are not designed for that. So that is unnatural to save, to be honest. And you have to resist that natural tendency not to save if you want to have a good financial life and win at this game of money. Another marker of financial health is what is known as PAWs or UAWs or super PAWs. So this is a metric that came from the famous book, The Millionaire Next Door, which I think is a cornerstone book for anyone who wants to know how to be financially independent and well off. It's a mandatory read. And it basically says that whatever your age or income category is, if you're making an expected level of wealth or an expected level of uh, just general contributions to whatever fund, then you are doing better or worse than what you should be. So if you're below the average for your age uh, income category, then you are considered a UAW, which is an underaccumulator of wealth. And if you are above, you are a PAW, which means prodigious accumulator of wealth. And you should never take this as gospel, but it does help to have some good metrics, like I mentioned earlier, around these things, especially when it can get pretty messy. So if you are 45 years old and you make 700 or you make, sorry, make 70 grand a year or 80 grand, I forgot what the exact calculation is, but you should be worth a certain number. And if you're above that number, then obviously you're a PAW, but if you're below, you're an UAW. And this is based on the time that you spent working and the time you should have to save up money and pretty much just pay off whatever you have to pay off. So another rule is to pretty much be debt-free. You want to focus on debt elimination because debt is obviously money that is leaving your pocket, that is leaving your bathtub, and is going in the pocket or the bathtub of someone else. And if it's going into the pocket of someone else, you can't use it. So you want to focus on just getting rid of Revolving debt. Revolving debt is something like credit cards that just cycles year to year, month to month. And you also want to focus on getting rid of whatever loans. I know a lot of us have student loans that you want to pay off. And they do have low interest rates, but still, it's you're still owing someone money and you're not able to use that money. And eventually, uh, they may even do wage garnishment for student loans because the problem in America is just getting so ridiculous. So if you haven't paid your student loans or you're underpaying, then they're going to go into your paycheck and take whatever their amount is, whatever they want 
and you don't want that. You don't want someone else having control over your money like that. So I'd recommend paying those off as soon as possible. And the other thing with student loans is you can't you can't declare bankruptcy on them. So if you go bankrupt, they're still going to be with you. You still have to pay them back. So I would say after any credit card debt or whatever other high interest debt you have, get rid of those as soon as possible because they're going to follow you for a long time and they're just like a <laughs> they're just like a nuisance. So get rid of those. Obviously, you don't want to buy huge car that you're going to have to keep paying for no matter interest rate because cars depreciate. Cars are not worth as much as they are when you take them off the lot. So if you're going to buy a car, buy at least a used car or buy a car where you feel as if you're going to pay it off very quickly. And your debt should pretty much be paid off by the time you get your last paycheck. So by the time you, I guess, retire, all of your debt should be gone. And that includes your mortgage. And I call, I don't really think of mortgage as a type of debt because it is leveraged debt. And it's pretty much the same as paying a paying rent. And sometimes it can even be less than paying rent. And obviously, as you go towards your mortgage payoff date, which is called amortization, if you hear that term, that's what it means. As you go towards your mortgage payoff term, the payments are going to get lower and lower. So you're going to find that you're building equity in some sort of solid structure. And you're going to have lower payments for your house or dwelling or whatever. So I don't consider mortgage a type of debt, but you also want to have your house paid off by the time you stop working because obviously if you have no income coming in and you have a house to pay for, that's a very precarious situation. But that is one the aforementioned boomers find themselves in. So you definitely want to make sure you have all debt consolidated and paid off by the time you get to your retirement age, whatever that is. And the goal of money, in my opinion, is just to provide for a great life. It's not to flaunt around and spend carelessly on consumer goods and useless trinkets, but it's just to make your life more comfortable and to create a legacy, really, you know, I mean, there's people who want to save the world, but they can't even save themselves. And you want to go and help everyone. And you're not going to be able to help anyone when you're, when you're damn, when you're fucking broke. Okay. When you're broke as a joke, you're not going to be able to help anyone. As I mean, the most you'll probably be able to do is save someone from like a burglary or a mugging or save someone from a burning building. But Paying for someone's hospital fees, paying for your mom or your dad's uh, elderly care fees, paying fees for, you know, emergencies, any of that. You can't do any of that if you're broke. So you got to just focus on getting your financial house in order before you try to get other people's financial duties in order, especially the people who help care for you because, I do feel as if you have an obligation to sort of pay it forward. So you can't do that if you're broke. 
And there are some people who wonder, you know, what should you do with your money? Should you, you know, try and save up for your kid's college fund? Should you try and pay off your house first? Should you try and just invest or whatever? And the answer to that really is you're just going to have to save money in whatever fashion, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, 401ks, real estate, whatever, in some type of fashion so that you can provide for when your body fails you. Because we're all going to get old if we don't die before then, but we're all going to get old. We're not going to be as vibrant. We're not going to be as youthful. We're not going to be as buoyant. And some of us will have health issues that need a lot of medical care. Some of us will just not be able to, like a lot of people think they're going to be able to work, 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 work until they die. But, you know, that situation is not realistic. You want to be able to have enough money to pretty much retire on your terms. You don't want to have to have them show you the door and you don't want to have to have them just kick you out because you are old and because you're aging and then you'll find it very hard to get another job because age discrimination does exist in the workplace and people just like to hire younger people because they have certain generational skills and they also will demand less in terms of compensation so if you're old um you got to have it in the back of your mind that your body will fail you one day and you may be great now, but you have to provide for your older self. And most people listening to this are at the age where you can see the effects of long-term discipline and long-term consequences. I remember things I did several years ago that are still affecting me now for a positive or negative way. Or I I just remember seeing the fruits of my labor in a certain area. So most of us have enough acuity to realize that time will pass regardless. And we just have to get our act in order in a certain area. So a lot of us sort of think that, you know, it's not going to happen in terms of retirement or maybe even just needing money at a certain time, but things just have a tendency and a way of popping up at unexpected and unforeseen times. So there's always a way that you should provide for those emergencies. And one of these emergencies that I want to mention is definitely the chance of losing some sort of income. In your life, You should expect to be unemployed at some point in time, meaning you should expect that you're going to end up being fired, laid off, or if you're an independent contractor or freelancer, you're not going to have as much business coming in. And if you're an entrepreneur or a business owner, you're not going to be having as much business coming in. And in both those cases, you're not going to be having the client base required to have a robust 
regular income. So in the former case, as an employee, it is pretty much it's pretty much going to happen at some point. It's if you stretch it out to the point of 50 or 60 years, you're going to get fired or laid off at least once. So you're going to have to plan for that and you always have to be mobile and upgrading your skills, which is a different conversation. And I say this because you know, this is this is what happened to me. I'm speaking from experience. A couple of years ago, I was working at a company, and the company wasn't doing that great, and I had to be let go because I was one of the top guys there who was, I was making a good amount of money, and if you're making a good salary, you're pretty much going to be undercut first. You're the first one on the chopping block, so they can save on the overhead. So that puts you at risk, and that makes you more fragile as a person, and that puts you in a more precarious financial situation. And luckily, I didn't have anybody who would depend on me, so that really helped me. And what also helped me is... On the side, I was building up skills that were not related to that job because I wasn't getting the full experience of learning what I wanted to learn at that job. So I said, you know, screw it. I'm just going to do it on my own. So I did this over the course of two years and I pretty much got laid off two years to two years and two weeks after my original hire date. So I was there for a good amount of time. And it's something we all saw coming. The company was just declining at a rate that was just massive. And it it was just good for everyone that that happened. So I ended up I ended up taking my consulting practice that I was doing part time ended up jumping full-time into that and starting my own business. And that worked out uh, to my advantage. That worked out to my favor because obviously that was something I was doing on the side and I was able to go full-time with that. And if I wasn't building up those skills, if I wasn't building up that base that I mentioned two years before, if I wasn't coming up with all the requisite knowledge and requirements for that, I would have been screwed you know, I would have had to scramble to immediately find another job, but that wasn't the case. And that was because I was building up skills. That was also because I was making good financial runway. So you should expect it that you are going to lose a substantial amount of financial income and you have to prepare for that. You can't just be spending, 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 and you don't have anything saved up because bad times will happen to you. They happen to everyone. And it is pretty much the exception, not the rule. If you never get fired or if you never get laid off, if you just go from job to job to job and you just quit each job, you're pretty much like a unicorn in this economy because everything is changing so fast and the rate of change is going to increase exponentially, especially with AI and outsourcing and everything along those lines. So be prepared and 
make sure that you have some sort of financial safety net. And there's a lot of people in the millennial generation who are very wary about the stock market because they've lived through two, I believe, two recessions, and they're sort of hesitant about jumping in the market. But the biggest thing about money is that it has time to be leveraged because, as Albert Einstein said, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world or something like that. And once you start, once you start getting it going, it is really ridiculous, the returns you can get in terms of just your effort you expended. And if you find some compound interest calculators online and you start doing the math and you input, like, if you put $5,000 in a Roth IRA account, which is a type of retirement account, if you put that in a Roth IRA, what your money would look like when you were 48, if you put in when you're 18 and you do the math, it's, it's, it's something crazy. Like you could put like just a small amount in and you see it just build up and you wouldn't even like, let's say you put it in when you're 18 and you stopped contributing when you were 28 and you just let that money sit for a couple of years. You wouldn't even, you wouldn't even need to put another cent in for it to just grow to massive proportions. So that is, again, another resource time. So when you use time and money together and you just start using it as rocket fuel to propel your dream lifestyle, the results are far beyond what you could have imagined and what anyone else could imagine. And it starts with small amounts. You don't, People think that they have to invest 10 grand in some account or they need to invest like all this money. But when you start with small amounts, it's always with the small pieces. If you don't start now when you have no money or very little money, you're not going to start when you have a bunch of money. You'll just find some other excuse to spend it on. So it's all about just making it a priority and focusing on priorities. So to wrap this up, I don't intend for this to drag on too long. I believe that there are certain areas that you can start to do right now, right this moment, to improve your financial situation. And I've mentioned some of them already, but I'll just go over some of them again and also bring up some other peripheral ones. So the first one is to start plugging your leaks. I mentioned in another audio blog And I've also mentioned in this one that there are leaks. There can be leaks for all of your resources. And thinking of money as a bathtub, there can be leaks in a bathtub, which water can leak out. So you want to focus on plugging those leaks. Plugging those leaks, which means that you're focusing tightly on controlling your spending and making sure you're reining that in. A lot of people have a subscription to, let's say, Netflix or uh, HBO or uh, some type of internet streaming source or something that they're not using a lot. They just have it there that is just renewing and renewing and renewing. For all those cases where you had 
let's say nine ninety nine prescription uh, subscriptions a month, and it renews for twelve months. Well, that's one hundred twenty dollars out the window a year, and you multiply that by like three, you have three of those. You also have three hundred sixty dollars out the window a year. What could you use those three hundred sixty dollars for? You could have used it on something that's useful instead of using on something that's useless. So you want to focus on using your money where it is useful instead of where it is useless. And that just means being very tight. For some people, this can be living a more uh, minimalist lifestyle. For some people, this can just mean bringing awareness to certain aspects of things that they shouldn't need to be spending money on and redirecting it to higher areas. So the second point leading into this is practice controlling your desires. There's a lot of things that are desirable, but many of them are not worth much. A lot of people think the treasures of the world lie on the outside, but they truly lie on the inside. Once you start to do inner work and you start to realize that you don't really need much. The world can't offer you much. These things are nice to have. They offer a little bit of distraction. They offer a little bit of enjoyment, but they don't offer true fulfillment. And a lot of people buy stuff that they don't need to impress people they don't like because they don't like themselves at the end of the day. They're trying to fill this hole, this gaping hole at this, their, at their core. And I've tried that to an extent very a very long time ago and I've known several people who have tried that and I'll tell you it doesn't work okay you can't fill your heart with junk and expect it to be okay you have to do the real inner work on yourself and you can't expect retail therapy or a shopping spree at Target or your store of choice to solve whatever inner problems you have because lo and behold you may distract yourself for the meantime but they'll always come back so don't use stuff to distract yourself and just be purposeful with what you have utilize your resources and ask yourself before you buy anything do I really need this? Will my life be enhanced greatly by this? For some, definitely can. I I don't have any I don't have any issue with buying stuff. I love buying nice stuff. I love buying sunglasses, clothes, food. I love eating new foods. But at the end of the day, I use these as compliments to my life. I don't use these as things that will truly enrich my life. I do think that eating nice food is nice. I don't want to subsist on a beans and rice diet or a bread and cornmeal diet. I'm not, I'm not a monk, but I do understand that these things just offer, they're, they're like pepper. A, a, little, a little spice makes the steak. You don't put a whole bunch of spice in a little steak. You, you make sure you have a strong foundation uh, financially mentally, emotionally, and spiritually before you really start getting out there and buying stuff. So the third 
I would say is think about money in terms of offense and defense. Financial offense, if you play good financial offense, that means you earn a high income. You're bringing in a lot of money. You can be a person at a, you could be, let's say, number three at a startup. You can be a lawyer. You can be a doctor. You can be someone in pharmaceutical sales. Uh, you can be engineer, whoever. That means you're making a high income. But how is your defense? Like I said, <laughs> plugging leaks in your bathtub. If your bathtub is leaking and you keep putting water in it, you can only put so much water in it and it's never going to fill up. So I think the defense part is more important than just having good offense. As an aside to that, there was a janitor. Uh, I forgot where he lived, but he, he was a janitor and he lived to the ripe age of, nine, I think, 91 or something. So he was an old, old guy. He ended up dying and leaving behind nine million, I think like nine million or ten million dollars. And people are like, what the heck? Like, how did he amass this much money? And they found out that he played tremendous financial defense and he was a very frugal person, but he was just able to save a ton of money over the over his working life. Granted, he may have been the next of Warren Buffett, we don't know, but the fact of the matter is he still saved money and you can't invest money and you can't make your money grow if you have nothing to invest with. So the first part of that is just to play good financial defense, which means saving money and plugging leaks where you should. And if you can play good financial offense and good financial defense, you are on your way to just amazing things. So that's the third point. The fourth point is to think of your future self. And I know this is pretty intangible, but really imagine who you'll be in the future. Like really think of him and think of, you know, how he's going to be thanking you profusely for taking the time out to really learn about this stuff. Or he's going to be cursing your gut saying, oh my God, you stupid idiot. Why didn't you pay attention or why didn't you, you know, invest in your employer's 401k or whatever, you know, you don't want to be that person in the future. And you're going to be that guy that will praise yourself or curse yourself. And a lot of people say that the person who they were when they were younger, they really hate that person because they made a whole bunch of stupid decisions. So you don't want to be that guy. So that's the fourth point. Think about your future self and really envision them. And like I said before, we're all at the age where we can clearly see the long-term effects of our consequences and our choices in the, in the past. So really take that into account. In, in five years, five years is going to pass anyway. Where will you be? Will you be better off or worse off? So fifth and the final one is... Not to take it too, too seriously and treat it like a game. Like I said before, this is just another game within the realm of money. Uh, and this is another game within the realm of life. Financial accumulation and money should not be something that is necessarily life or death. People get very, very screwy when money is mentioned or 
there's different types of finances are mentioned and people just change into different people when there's the possibility to make money or there's the possibility to just have a windfall or when they hear a a relative has a ton of money. So people get People change into different animals. And like I said before, this is part of the survivalist mentality a lot of people have towards money. They approach it in terms of, I'm just going to use it all and use it for tomorrow. I don't care about, or use it for today. I don't care about tomorrow. And this is just the mentality that is present. And that's why a lot of people are in the situation they're in. Because obviously, if they actually took the time to save and invest in different things, then they would not be where they are and they would be a PAW instead of a UAW. So that is about it. And the game of money should not be put over human life. I do believe that you should spend your money when you're out with other people Pick up the tab for someone else once in a while. Um, Pick up the tab for your friends when you're out. Pay for dinner. Just enjoy the presence of people in your life and use money as a tool to do that. Like I said, money is a tool. It is not an object. Money can come back, but people can't and time can't and the time you spend with people cannot. So never prioritize money over your human relations because you will end up dying a Scrooge McDuck who has a ton of money but ends up finding that he did not build up any social capital and social connections because he was too busy in the pursuit of the game of money, which should be fun, by the way, which should be very fun. So I appreciate you guys listening to this. Resources for... Everything I mentioned are in the description below. Take care and have a good day.